I'm Effie Parks. Welcome to Once Upon a Jane, the podcast. This is a place I created for us to connect and share the stories of our not-so-typical lives. Raising kids who are born with rare genetic syndromes and other types of disabilities can feel pretty isolating. What I know for sure is that when we can hear the triumphs and challenges from others who get it, we can find a lot more laughter, a lot more hope, and feel a lot less alone. I believe there are some magical healing powers that can happen for all of us through sharing our stories, and I'll take all the help I can get. Once Upon a Gene is proud to be part of Bloodstream Media. Living in a family affected by rare and chronic illness can be isolating, and sometimes the best medicine is connecting to the voices of people who share your experience. This is why Bloodstream Media produces podcasts, blogs, and other forms of content for patients, families, and clinicians impacted by rare and chronic diseases. Visit bloodstreammedia.com to learn more. Hi there. Welcome to the show. This is Once Upon a Gene, and I'm your host, Effie Parks. And I have an episode that's a little different today. I was lucky enough to be able to attend our first international CT and NB1 conference earlier this year in March 2023 in Spain. It was magnificent. I don't think I've even fully processed the magic that went on those four days that we were there. I was lucky enough to meet so many international families and their beautiful kids and our powerhouse international leaders from the Spain Association and CTNMB1 Foundation in Slovenia just put together the most amazing event. And the researchers and the scientists who've all been working on our gene and creating our gene therapy, it was just it was amazing. And one of the sessions that was lined up, uh, the very last one of the day, which did not leave a single, single dry eye in the entire house, was a presentation by a Spanish mom named Carolina Moreno. She is mom to Irie, who has AADC deficiency, also known as infantile Parkinson dystonia. Lots of features show up just like the CTNMB1 kids. Anyways, her daughter was the very first patient to be treated with a gene therapy in uh, Spain, and she told us a little story about it. So the first part of this episode is actually Carolina talking in Spanish. So surprise, and you're welcome if you speak Spanish and you get to hear this story directly from her. And if you don't, listen to her beautiful voice and stay tuned for the second part where I'll translate it for you in English. Please enjoy uh, this presentation from Carolina Moreno. Es un privilegio poder estar en esta primera conferencia. Muchísimas gracias por la invitación. Y cuando hablo de conferencia, me es inevitable pensar también en las primeras conferencias que, que se organizaban para conocer más sobre la enfermedad que padece mi segunda hija, Irai. Una enfermedad que, desgraciadamente, tiene muchas similitudes con la CTNNB1. Entre ellas, unas siglas para designar una enfermedad que, antes de que naciera Irai, no significaban nada para mí. Unas conferencias a las cuales, cuando Iraí era pequeña, nunca asistí. Y nunca asistí pues porque los primeros meses de vida de mi hija me negué a aceptar que tenía que despedirme de la idea de, de una hija sana. Me negué a formar parte de un grupo de familias que tendría que cambiar su vida drásticamente, que muchos y muchas tendrían que despedirse de sus trabajos de algunas amistades, de sueños por cumplir y, sobre todo, que tendrían que asumir que sus vidas jamás volverían a ser las mismas. 
decir adiós a una vida anterior que, que es que ahora se ve muy fácil. Y bueno, me sorprende cómo nos cambia la mirada en un segundo. Cómo de golpe pues aquello que parecía tan difícil, de golpe pues se vuelve irrisorio. Pues sí, me negué y sobre todo me negué a que mi hija formara parte de ese grupo. Afortunadamente, mi compañero sí que asumió ese rol. Él, él sí que, bueno, pues que decidió asistir a, esa, a esas conferencias y conoció el poder de sentirse comprendido, de sentir que el camino no lo estás haciendo solo, que la fuerza de muchos es más potente que la fuerza de uno solo, que la mirada del otro puede calmar, puede entender y hasta puede sanar. Yo, yo lo esperaba en casa, en la que para entonces se había convertido en un búnker, y lo recibía con emociones encontradas y contradictorias. Por un lado, él había estado unos días sintiendo el poder de, del grupo, ese poder, sintiendo que nuestros hijos no tenían por qué ser niños olvidados y que se buscaba un futuro para ellos, ¿no? Y yo, bueno, pues me acogía ávida a esas emociones y esperaba solo que me explicara lo bueno. Solo quería escuchar lo bueno. Intentaba evitar mirar lo que, lo que también traía en la mochila después de esas conferencias, ¿no? Pues emociones tristes de ser consciente que el día a día continuaba y que continuaba sin haber una solución. Una solución que cada día deseábamos más. Me irritaba mucho con mi compañero cuando, cuando le escuchaba decir una frase que, que a menudo decía y era que Irai había nacido 20 años antes porque 20 años más tarde los niños con esa enfermedad se podrían curar. Bueno, 20 años. Pero si yo para entonces ya había aprendido a no hacer planes a más de 5 días vista, si ya había aprendido que superar el día a día rescatando los buenos momentos. Era una victoria. Y él me hablaba de 20 años. Bueno, pero sí que es verdad que, que es cierto que el tiempo, a pesar de que no lo cura todo, sí que lo suaviza. Y con el tiempo aprendimos a convivir con la enfermedad. Hicimos nuestra una frase de una amiga que decía que teníamos que aprender a aceptar la espina para querer la rosa. Fue, fue por aquel entonces cuando mi compañero me propuso la idea de crear una asociación que llevara el nombre de nuestra hija. Una asociación con dos objetivos muy claros. El primero, recaudar fondos para la investigación. La investigación era el único camino que veíamos posible hacia un futuro, un futuro mejor. Nosotros ya habíamos asumido que llegábamos demasiado pronto, 20 años antes, pero queríamos aportar nuestro grano de arena. Para, para los que vendrían detrás. Y el segundo objetivo de la asociación era el de concienciar a la sociedad de que nuestros hijos existen y que además tienen derechos y que son derechos que son un deber de todos conseguirlos. Así que con ese fin pues creamos la asociación IRAI y cuando en el, para aquel momento habían dos casos en España. Más o menos coinciden en, en el tiempo que yo ya había empezado a salir de mi búnker. Me había empezado a asomar un poquito al mundo exterior, siendo muy fuerte a mi hija. 
y salir al mundo exterior no, no fue nada fácil. Tampoco lo había sido convivir en casa con mi marido en el búnker. Y bueno, porque los dos deseábamos lo mejor para nuestra pequeña, ¿no? aunque no nos poníamos de acuerdo en la mejor forma de, de hacerlo. Y de aquellos meses eh, de convivencia, pues dieron para un libro, literalmente. El libro empieza explicando el momento en el que con cuatro meses de vida de nuestra pequeña la llevamos a uno de los neurólogos más reputados de Barcelona y en una primera y única cita, eh, donde nos diagnosticó muy claramente lo que creía que tenía Irai. Su frase fue, bueno, no es la primera vez que niños con, con una hipotenía tan severa luego son retrasados. Creo que, creo que el vídeo que vimos de, de las princesas Red explica muy bien el cambio que da tu vida ante un diagnóstico tan culpidor. ¿no? Os hago un spoiler y el, el libro acaba explicando cómo, cómo aprendimos a querer a nuestra hija, a dejar de esperar que sea, que sea diferente, a dejar de esperar que nuestra vida sea diferente y aprender a vivir de nuevo la vida. Así se acaba el libro. Pero afortunadamente no se acaba la historia de Irai en ese momento. ¿no? Cuando dejamos de esperar y, y seguíamos trabajando día a día para que, para que la vida de Irai tuviera mejor calidad, recibimos una llamada. Al otro lado de la línea telefónica, la voz de Damián, cofundador de Fundación Columbus, que hablando en valenciano, bueno, me explicó con muchísima claridad y contundencia como, como solo los sabios lo saben hacer, que mi hija pues, se podía curar. ¿no? Sus palabras es que me quedarán grabadas para siempre. Tu hija, tu hija se puede curar con terapia génica. La terapia génica es como ir al mecánico. A tu hija solo le hace falta que se le cambie la pieza que no le funciona. Bueno, ir ahí, ir ahí por aquel momento tenía tres años y ya os podéis imaginar que habíamos buscado... Todas y cada una de las terapias habidas y por haber. Y ninguna nos ofrecía la panacea. Así que, bastante incrédulos, bueno, quedamos para vernos, nos vimos presencialmente y nos explicó pues, bueno, que había podido contactar con nosotros a través de la página web de la asociación, la que habíamos creado, pues porque no tenía constancia de que, de que Ira existiera a través de ninguna otra vía. Y bueno, en aquella cita, además. Damián pues, nos enseñó vídeos de una niña operada con terapia génica unos meses antes y pudimos ver vídeos del antes y el después de la terapia génica. Bueno, para aquel momento Irai padecía de hipotonía severa que solo le permitía abrir y cerrar los ojos, sorprendentemente podía comer y no necesitaba de sonda gástrica, pero... Bueno, tenía una sonrisa y una mirada preciosa, pero poco más. Ver los vídeos de aquella niña que había sido operada con terapia génica, el antes y el después, ¿no? Aquella niña que tenía rasgos orientales, pues fue desgarradoramente esperanzador. Y digo desgarradoramente porque en el mismo instante ya queríamos ese mismo tratamiento para ir ahí, ¿no? Era, era, era la única opción para nuestra hija. Pasaron los meses, eh, nos encontramos en Varsovia para operar de terapia génica Irai. Eh, iba a ser la novena niña a nivel mundial que se operaba en el estudio. 
Y eh, recuerdo que segundos antes de entrar en quirófano, um, recuerdo pensar que lo único que deseaba era que, por favor, esa, esa operación no se llevara ni la mirada ni la sonrisa de mi hija. Porque era de las pocas cosas que podíamos tener de ella y que podíamos disfrutar con ella, ¿no? Pero apostamos por la terapia génica y una de las condiciones que acordamos, mi compañero y yo, fue que una vez tomada la decisión no íbamos a pedir opinión a nadie. Dejaríamos de buscar información. Es que si apostábamos, apostábamos, bueno, con todas las ganas, poníamos toda la carne en el asador, poníamos toda la confianza y curiosamente, una vez tomada la decisión, por primera vez en mucho tiempo, volvimos a soñar. Y de ahí volvió a nacer el 14 de mayo del 2019. Pronto cumplirá cuatro años. Bueno, cuatro años que la vida nos ha dado una segunda oportunidad. Irai empezó a aguantar su cabeza, pudo empezar a sentarse, a reptar, a coger cosas con sus manos, a comer sola, a palmear, a bulcear, a balbucear, a, 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 ¿no? a día de hoy, entre, entre las, entra en la escuela cada mañana sola, al lado de sus hermanos. Y digo que va sola porque va al lado y va separada de ellos porque no quiere que le den la mano. Bueno, en esos momentos es cuando... Cuando nos emocionamos, ¿no? cuando, cuando me emociono y, y pienso pues, que ya pasó, que, que ahora no necesita que nadie le sostenga constantemente. Cuando le quieren dar la mano, ella la aparta y dice alto y claro que no. Y, y esa es la mejor negación que he escuchado en mi vida. ¿no? Y pienso que no, irá y que no. Que, no, que tienes razón, que no hace falta resignarse con menos que seguiremos luchando y seguiremos soñando y seguiremos soñando por conseguir que todos y cada uno de nuestros hijos tengan su segunda oportunidad, tengan su segundo nacimiento. Hey there, it's Effie again, and I'm going to be sharing the translation from Carolina's speech. Thank you for the invitation. It's a privilege to be in this conference. Whenever I hear the word conference, The first thing that comes to mind is those first few conferences that were organized to help us better understand my second daughter's disease. Her name is Irie. Unfortunately, that disease is very similar to CT and NB1, including an acronym to name a disease that didn't mean anything to me before my child was born. When Irie was a tiny baby, I never attended those conferences. And I didn't because during my daughter's first months of life, I refused to accept the idea that having to say goodbye to having a healthy child, I refused to be a part of the group of families that would have to dramatically change their lives. I refused to acknowledge that many of us would have to say goodbye to our careers, our friends, our unfulfilled dreams, and most of all, understanding that their lives would never, ever be the same again. Saying goodbye to a past life, that now seems so easy. It's incredible how things can change in a second. Things that seemed difficult in the past are now almost laughable. And yes, I was in denial. I did not want to accept that my daughter was part of that group. Fortunately, my life partner was not in denial and did attend those conferences. Where he finally felt understood 
he felt like he was not alone in this journey. He understood that the strength of many is far greater than the force of one. He understood that the company of others on the same road can calm and even heal you. And I would just wait at home. At that time, my home had become a bunker. And when he came home, I welcomed him with mixed emotions. On the one hand, he had been attending those conferences, feeling the power of community, understanding that our children didn't have to be forgotten, and that there was a possible future for them. So I welcomed that news. But I only wanted to hear the good part. I tried to not look at the sad part of things. The sadness that overpowers us when we've realized that in our day-to-day life, we're still alone, and that our solution was eluding us, although we wished for it more and more. I was frequently irritated with my partner when I heard him say that Irie had been born 20 years too soon, because as he said, in 20 years, children with this disease will have a cure. 20 years. But I had already learned to plan only five days ahead. I had learned to live one day at a time, treasuring the good times. Just that was a victory. And he was talking about 20 years. Although time does not heal everything, it does make things smooth. With time, we learn to live with the disease. We adopted a quote from a friend. She used to say that we had to accept the thorn to love the rose. At that time, my partner proposed that we create an association bearing our child's name with two clear targets. First, gathering funds for scientific research, as we clearly understood that this was the only possible way forward toward a better future. We had already assumed that we were 20 years too soon, but at least we wanted to contribute our grain of sand for those that would come after. The second objective for this association was raising awareness about our children and that they exist and they have rights, and those rights are inalienable. So with that, we created the Association IRE. By the time, there were only two cases reported in Spain. At that time, I was starting to come out of my bunker, holding my daughter tightly close, and I was taking a peek at the outside world, which was not easy. But staying at home with my partner in a bunker was not easy either because we both knew that we wanted the best for Irie. We just couldn't agree on the best way to accomplish that. During those months, we had lived through enough experiences to write a book. Literally. So we wrote it. And we started the book by narrating the time when we took our four-month daughter to one of the most reputable neurologists in Barcelona. After the visit, he gave us a very clear diagnosis. He said, It's not the first time a child with such a severe lack of muscle tone has mental retardation. I think the video we saw yesterday about ret princesses explains very well the turn of our lives can take after such a devastating diagnosis. I apologize for the spoiler, but the book ends by explaining how we learned to love our daughter, how we stopped to expect or wish she was different, that our life was different, and learn how to live again. And that's how the book ends. But fortunately, that's not how Irie's story ends. When we stopped waiting and we were just focused day to day to give Irie a better quality of life, we received a phone call. On the other end, we heard Damien's voice, co-founder of the Columbus Foundation, who clearly explained to us that my daughter could actually be cured. 
I will forever remember his words. He said, your daughter can be cured with genome therapy, which is like going to the mechanic. Your daughter just needs to have a part that doesn't work changed. By then, Irie was three years old. And you can imagine we had looked into every possible available therapy and none of them offered a cure. So we were a bit skeptical. We decided to meet in person and Damien explained that he had contacted us through our association's website. Since he was not aware of Irie's existence through any other channel, during that meeting, he showed us pictures and videos of a child who had been operated on with gene therapy only a few months prior. At that time, Irie was severely hypotonic. She could only open her eyes and had a beautiful smile. Surprisingly enough, she could eat, she did not need a G-tube, but she could do little else. The before and after videos of that child who had received gene therapy was devastatingly hopeful because the very minute we watched it, we wanted the same treatment for our daughter. It was her only option. Months went by, and we did it. We found ourselves in Warsaw. She was the ninth child in the entire world to undergo the treatment. When she was taken to the operating room, I remember thinking, please don't take away her gaze and smile, because those were the very few things we could enjoy with her. We went ahead with the gene therapy, and one of the conditions we insisted on was that once the decision was made, we would never look back or ask anyone for a second opinion. We would stop searching for more information, and we were diving in headfirst, filled with trust and hope. And once we made that decision, we started dreaming again. Irie was reborn on May 14th, 2019. She will soon turn four years old, although biologically, she's eight years old. In the past four years where life gave us a second chance, she started holding her head up straight. She started sitting, picking things up with her own little hands, eating alone, clapping, babbling, speaking her first few words, and then so much more. And today, she goes to school with her siblings. She stands by them, but she doesn't want them to hold her hand because she feels independent. And that's when I get emotional because it's over. When I see that Irie no longer needs someone to hold her up anymore. When someone tries to hold her hand, she pushes that hand apart and says, no, loud and clear. And that's the best kind of denial I've ever heard in my life. We will keep dreaming, we will keep going, we will keep fighting, so all of our children get that second chance, that second birthday. Please make sure to head to the show notes to see this beautiful video of Irie and watch her transformation from before and after gene therapy. There's also going to be links to their foundation and about this disease. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've been enjoying this podcast. If you like what you hear, please share this show with your people and please make sure to rate and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also head over to Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter to connect with me and stay updated on the show. If you're interested in sharing your story or if you have anything you would like to contribute, please submit it to my website at effieparks.com. 
Thank you so much for listening to the show and for supporting me along the way. I appreciate y'all so much. I don't know what kind of day you're having, but if you need a little pick-me-up, Ford's got you. Ha, 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 ha.